If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Yeah, so today we have a special guest, Cindy Brockway. Cindy is a love coach, leader, advocate, author, and mentor who empowers her clients to fully accept and love themselves through wellness, self-inquiry, and personal transformation. So welcome, Cindy. I'm so excited to have you here to discuss self-compassion. So let's start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what motivated you to become a self-love coach. All right. Well, I am Cindy Brockway, and I am a 30-year educator. So I worked in the field of special education. And if you don't think that I was in the mission of finding kids' love for themselves and helping them to move themselves forward, then um, you're not that familiar with special education. We take that to heart. And so after 30 years of working with children, working with parents, working with other professionals to really dig in and find what their personal strengths are and to be able to excel in whatever they do, regardless of their challenges, that's what I've um, decided to do um, as a self-love coach. So just to be able to get out there and to help people that have faced everyday challenges, just like me, just like the kids in my classroom, and be able to excel and to be able to feel good about themselves and to be able to find their little um, niche in this world. Yeah, no, that is so important to really find your niche in this world, your purpose, right? Why are we here? So can you really give us a definition of what is self-compassion? Well, self-compassion is multifaceted. And uh, when I first went into the field, I really did a lot of thinking about what self-compassion is. And, you know, there are so many facets to being compassionate for yourself. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things um, for people who are in a caregiving um, industry is to give yourself a little grace. I think oftentimes we pour ourselves out unconditionally, which is a beautiful quality, but we don't always take care of ourselves and we get depleted. So self-compassion is about not only being aware of those around you, but being um, 
keenly in tune with you and your needs and what you need to be able to put your best foot forward in our world. Absolutely. And as nurses, we are caregivers and everyone usually comes before us. And, you know, I always say we pour from an empty cup. We don't pour effectively, but we continue to try to pour from that cup. So it's important for us to really take time out for ourselves to kind of figure out where we are, what we need to fill ourselves up so we can effectively provide care to our patients, our students, or whomever, um, you know, we're providing care for. So I think that's very, very, very important. Can you talk to me a little bit about how stress can impact someone's ability to practice self-compassion or self-love? Absolutely. I think when you look at stress, And if you're like me, and I'm like the typical person, I think sometimes we get tunnel vision and we're doing what we need to do um, just to get through whatever this heavy crisis or um, mode is that we're in to try to do our best to get through to the next shift or the next day. And the self-compassion piece does not come naturally. When you're in stress mode, it doesn't because when you're in stress mode, what I found out is you are existing. You are existing and that's about it. And you do the bare necessities to get by and you don't really, if you be honest with yourself, we don't really do things that are proactive to support ourselves. Now we might do meal prep occasionally. Uh, We might do a few little things, you know, pack our lunch the night before so that we're not, you know, harried at trying to find things in the refrigerator. But we don't really put our best foot forward for ourselves ahead of time. I am so big on being proactive in your wellness and your approach to whatever you do for other people. I mean, we fly by the seat of our pants a lot of times. And we're put in positions sometimes where that's about the best we can do. But when we have a choice and when we plan ahead and when we be proactive with some of our strategies to deal with that stress, you will find the stress levels going down um, sometimes incrementally. But when you practice it on a consistent basis, those stress levels diminish significantly. Unless, of course, you get back off track and then you're just treading water again. It happens. So um, I think that's what stress does to us. It, It gets us off focus and we get kind of tunnel vision and we focus only on the urgent and not on what's important. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And while you were talking, I was thinking about being a nurse in the clinical setting. Mm. As nurses, we are trained to multitask, prioritize who needs what, and we're constantly going. Our minds are constantly going. But now that we're talking about wellness and stress, and like you said, it's proactive, many times in the field, we're reactive, right? Because it's like, who needs yes. what, right? You're reacting to what's happening at that time. So I think when you say being proactive, it's going to take time, intention, and energy. So we have to plan for this, which is something that can be really hard for nurses. Really, really hard yeah, at this time. It can be hard for a lot of people. And the thing is, though, sometimes we put extra pressure on ourselves thinking that it has to be a big step. 
And it doesn't have to be a big step. The smallest of steps, just think about it uh, from a nurse's perspective, from a teacher's perspective, some of the smallest things you do that make the biggest difference with your, with your clients, your patients, your, your students. Sometimes it's the smallest things that make the biggest difference. And so being proactive doesn't have to be a major shift in the way you're thinking, but it does need to be a shift. You need to slowly pivot. And uh, we've been lately talking about in my Facebook community about stacking habits for supporting yourself. So what you already do for yourself or for your clients or for your patients Stack a little bit in there for you at the same time. And that gives you an opportunity to experience the balance that's necessary to be able to, to face stress on an ongoing basis and not get completely overwhelmed and fall into that tunnel vision. Yeah, no, that that's so true. And as nurses, especially now with COVID-19 being in the midst of a pandemic, it's more stress, right? So we come with our own personal stress. Now we have the stress of the pandemic, going to work, taking care of our kids, homeschooling, you know, if our husbands or wives are furloughed. So there's a lot of stressors. So I definitely think taking time and space to process, right? Because sometimes when yes. we don't process, we're just on autopilot. So really coming down off of that to process and figure out what do I need? And like you said, what small steps can I take towards providing that for myself? So important. Right. And, and Wendy, you hit it right on the spot. I think we get hyper-focused. And right now, so many of us that are in the caregiving uh, field through the pandemic, we are hyper-focused on what's going on outside of us. And we have to be. I mean, that's part of our job. But at the same time, what if we were able to, and we trained ourselves to expend some of that energy on focusing on ourselves? so that we are a little bit more balanced and a little bit less overwhelmed. Everybody can benefit from being a little bit less overwhelmed. Yes, and I I think about control. So it's really figuring out, like you said, things that are going on around us. So I call those external stressors, which we don't really have control over. So really understanding what can you control and what can't you control. And whatever we can't control, we really have to let it go. Yeah. And really that's think, a tough one. Yeah. And really think about though, how, how can we react to it? Right. So we can control our reactions. If we can't control it, how do we react to kind of remain in balance, so to speak, because when we're stressed, we're out of balance. Right. So, so really right. trying to stay within balance. If I can't control it, you, you do have to let it go. unless It'll eat at you because if you can't control it, what are you going to do? You really have no outlet. Well, you're right. Exactly. And there's there's a certain amount of everything that we face outside of ourselves that we cannot control and we never will. You know, and I think we think that uh, if we try harder, if we study more, if we research more, if we spend more time, if we get up early, we're going to be able to control things a little bit better. It doesn't happen that way. It just perpetuates the problem from my experience. You know, so how about spending a little bit of that time on some healthy habits for yourself? Yeah, get up a little bit earlier, but instead of focusing 110% of your abilities and your ambitions and your desires on those outside of you, focus a little bit on, on yourself 
and give yourself a little bit of grace. And you would be surprised at how much that little tiny bit of self-compassion blossoms when you're reaching out to others. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Cindy, can you tell us some of the benefits of self-compassion and self-love? What are some of the benefits from practicing? Well, I, right. I think some of the, one of the major benefits of self-compassion is literally you're less critical of yourself. Now, if you can think about today, something that maybe went through your mind today, where you were not as on top as you thought you should be. And you probably were critical with yourself. Oh man, I'm running late. I should have got up earlier. I should have done this. And one thing about self-compassion is to say, you know what? I'm running a little bit late. Let's just love myself and then move forward with it. So one thing is it helps you to definitely, uh, self-compassion helps you to be less critical of yourself because you are conscious of that inner person that your mama loved to pieces, you know, and you're still that person. You're still that beautiful soul that came to be. And we get so caught up in life and pressures and trials and tribulation. And I guess the pandemic, you know, that we don't stop to consider that we're still that same beautiful, pure person that we were when God created us. Self-compassion helps you get back to that. It helps you get more in tune with what it's going to take to help you to balance out the stress that you're going through. Knowing when to be able to ask for a little bit of help and not feel like you're being selfish. So self-compassion gives you a completely new way of looking at yourself and how you interact with others and how you present yourself to others and actually how others treat you. Yes, I think it's very important that we evaluate the relationship we have with ourselves. I think that is so important. And many times we forget that because we're on autopilot, whether we're stressed or not. We're usually evaluating the relationships we have with others, whether it's our spouse, our husbands, our children, our patients, our managers, but it's really important to evaluate the relationship you have with self. And I think that's where self-compassion and self-love comes in too, really, you know, giving yourself the time and space to do that. Um, And I know there's research on self-compassion where self-compassion has been shown to decrease stress increase happiness, increase resilience, which are all great things that we can use right now during this time. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, self-compassion, I think, helps you to be in tune with your need for self-care. We already talked about self-acceptance, but your need for self-care. When you need to slow down and even just do a few breathing exercises. It also helps you to be in tune with your self-forgiveness. Not being too hard on yourself, trusting yourself, being able to know that in the midst of all that you're going through and the, the blow by blow that you face out in the workplace, that you can forgive yourself if you forget something or if you were a little bit short with somebody, 
Um, it's not something you want to do all the time, but realizing that you're human and you have feelings too. And really self-compassion is just about empowering yourself in every avenue of your life, empowering yourself as a woman, just as a woman, as a human being. And we don't often think about, you know, what tools we have to empower ourselves. And I'll tell you, when we're empowered, we are powerful. We have a lot to offer when we tap into our own, you know, our own power and be able to feed it and then use it um, for others. Yeah, I think that is so important. While you were talking, I was thinking about our intuition. Really Mm. trusting that intuition, that inner gut, that gut feeling. And then I also had another thought about, you know, we talk a lot here about showing up in the world the way you want to be seen. So really understanding who that person is and are you that person, right? To yourself, to others. Right. So that's really important to evaluate that. So thank you so much for um, highlighting that point. If someone who's listening wants to take the first step to practicing self-compassion or self-love, what is something you would recommend them to do? What is what what are one of the small steps they can actually take to start practicing that? Yes, I think one of the first small steps is self-reflection. And it can look like different things to different people. But when you're in the midst of something, being able to just stop right then if you can for a minute or when you get a chance to stop and really reflect on what just happened, what you told yourself, what the outcome was, um, what ticked you off, um, what did you feel should have happened, you know, start becoming very self-reflective writing down, I'm a big proponent for um, journaling or just jotting down your feelings and then reflecting on them at a time when you're not in the midst of things. You know, sometimes people can even, um, and I've told, you know, clients and things that I work with, get your phone, get your recording app up. And for three minutes, when you go into the nurse's station or whatever, for three minutes, let it loose you know, what is bothering you? And then later go and reflect on that because those feelings are there for a reason. You know, stuffing them is not going to help. You may be upset with somebody. You may be upset with yourself. You may be upset with with the patient, whatever it is, but their feelings are there for a reason. So the best way to start is to just reflect on what you're feeling. And then take it from there and just little steps on how to shift those feelings to where they look like what you want them to look like. Awesome. Thank you so much for that advice. Now I want to kind of switch topics a little bit because I know you are a new author and you were featured in a book called Stories of Humankind, an an uplifting anthology of finding beauty in chaos. Can you talk to us a little yes. bit about that? Well, it was a very exciting experience. Um, I did, I participated in a collaborative writing project. And so there were 17 other authors, including myself, and we were asked to write about our story. 
And so when you read through those, each of those chapters, we get in there and we talk about what it took in our lives to be able to understand ourselves, to accept the situation that we're in, to have some gratitude and really how to be able to um, turn that chaos into something that is beautiful and useful. Because everything we experience um, is is a lesson. It's there for a reason. And how we are able to respond to it and how we're able to kind of um, utilize those, those experiences are what help us to be more expressive as human beings and help us to understand, understand ourselves better. So it was a really fun experience. Um, my chapter was about myself. And what it felt like over the years to go from being an empty performer, which is what I was. I was just a driven performer for many years to feeling uplifted and gifted in a way that I haven't felt in a long, long time. That is awesome. And I know in the book, you talk about your resilience routine. Can you shed some more light on that? Yes, that is um, to me. And and when you said the number one step or the beginning step is for us to start a routine. And when I talk about my resilience routine, I put so much energy in trying to just show up every single day for others. When I started putting some of that energy back into myself and building my resilience back up to where it was before I got overwhelmed with all the stress and the chaos and the divorce and, you know, all these things that, that, that life brings our way. And I just let it overpower me. I started um, implementing a small daily routine to be proactive and to build my resilience so that when I do face things that come up and hit me, it's not like my life is perfect now. It's not, Um, but I have some routines in place that I know that if I'm stressed out and I'm overwhelmed tomorrow morning or this evening when I get home, whatever it's going to be, I have a little reprieve that I've already prescribed for myself so that I'm ready to face the evening or face the day again, starting back at zero and, and facing the day again with a renewed, resilient um, outlook. So it sounds like you have some tools in your toolbox. (laughs) Yes, I do have some tools in my toolbox. And to be honest, I think a lot of us have utilized these tools over the years here and there, myself included, um, doing devotions in the morning is one of my tools or meditation on the scriptures and things. But when we get stressed, It seems like those little tidbits of time for ourselves, well, I'll do that another time or I don't have time for that. That's when I find myself faltering. If I don't make time to do the little things that fill my cup back up, like you mentioned earlier, that might mean that when things are a little bit hectic because I'm running a double shift, that I fill my cup with just a few drops, but I'm filling my cup. I don't. I try not to get in the habit of letting go of those routines for an extended period of time because then I'm, I start floundering again. I start treading water and I get very uncomfortable. So even if it means just cutting it down a little bit, but still do 
what you feel is important for you to remain resilient. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you bring up a good point. I think it's also important for us to understand what helps us reset because then you, yes. you have it in your you have it in your toolbox. But if you have a toolbox that's empty, <laughs> you don't know what to use when you are stressed to reset yourself. Like you said, you know, when you're stressed, you come home and you go into that toolbox and you pull out one of your tools and you know you're gonna reset and recharge yourself. So I think that's also very important. Um right. Cindy, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, and for myself, I have a variety of tools in my toolkit. And I don't visit everyone or use everyone every day. You know, I like to rotate. Um, And so there's certain things that I like to do, uh, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, but have a variety of tools, but revisit them regularly because then they become more of a salve because you've used them before and you know how calming they can be. Um, if you get caught up in t- always trying something new, I, you know, I can't deal with this. I got to do this. I got to do that. You really need to get comfortable with what you've got in your own toolkit and just start refining it and shining it back up so that it can be a beautiful tool for you to use on a regular basis. Yes, absolutely. And I just want to hone in on your tools can be a community, it can be a person, or it can be something you do independently. So I want to just highlight the, the power of community. When and you know proud. what? Right. And you know what, Wendy, that was my biggest lesson learned, hands down, is that I wasn't in this myself. That it was up to me to make my marriage work, to make my job be the best to make my kids perform the best that they can to make whatever. I thought it was all up to me. I mean, I don't know why I thought I had to put all that weight on my shoulders, but I did. And being able to reach out to others, being able to share the burden with others is so empowering. And it's really, um, you know how they say that warm fuzzy. I mean, The minute someone, you reach out to someone and they are glad to help you in just this little tiny way, I mean, it just warms you from the inside out. And I I think we are meant to be together. I mean, we're meant to work together. And, you know, they say the team work makes the dream work. And that's true in our personal lives, too. Absolutely. We're human. That human connection is essential, is essential. Yeah. Especially when you're out of balance, especially when you're out of balance. Totally. And you know what, Wendy, don't you find that when you're out of balance, that's the first thing we do is kind of shrink away. Oh yeah. From people. Yes, we do. And really, um, I mean, I'm not saying you want to spill your guts out to everybody and complain about everything. No, but just reach out in a gentle way and and accept maybe that communion that uh, you need at that time. I mean, we do need our downtime. We do. But we also need the support of someone else. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a spouse or a partner. So many times they're busy, too, doing their own things. Maybe it's someone on the outside, someone that can look at it with a different perspective and just help you to get out of that little rut and see things from a little bit different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important that we assess or evaluate our relationships to make sure that we have supportive people 
in relationships in our lives, right? Because when you need them, they're there. If you're, you've had toxic relationships, those are not going to work, right? Those are going to be counterproductive. Mm -hmm. So really evaluating our relationships, who is your go-to person? Where is your go-to community where you can, you know, get the support you need? So that is very, very, Mm -hmm. very important. So thank you so much for highlighting that. Um, Before we wrap up, Cindy, can you let our listeners know where they can find out more about you? Well, they can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm Cindy Cooley Brockway on Facebook. Um, I also have a Facebook community. Um, It's a private Facebook group, and it's called Essentials for Peace and Balance. And I've had that group for about four years, and we do offer uh, a few monthly activities that are completely free, Um, some journaling experiences, uh, some uh, some inside um, time uh, uh, with my resilience routine. And then also I go live every Friday to talk about different topics that relate to self-compassion and to being the best that we can be. Awesome. Thank you so much. And before we get to our rapid fire, do you have any last words for our listeners? I think the last word would be, if you are listening to this and you're curious about what self-compassion means to you, get out a paper and a pencil and spend 15 minutes just jotting down what comes to mind. And you might be surprised. Sometimes that brain dump will reveal things that you haven't thought about in a long time. So give yourself some time to just put it out on paper and do a little bit of self-reflection. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And, you know, pen to paper is so therapeutic. So, so Mm -hmm. therapeutic. All right. Well, let's get into our rapid fire before we wrap things up. So, Cindy. Please tell us the first thing that comes to your mind to complete these sentences. Wellness means? Wellness means inside and out balance or harmony, I should say. Wellness is not just physical. It's inside and out wellness. I know I'm stressed when? Ooh, yeah. I know I'm stressed when I get cranky. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) My go-to stress management solution is? Um, my go-to stress management solution um, for me is aromatherapy. Uh, that's the first thing I go to. I have a few oils. I get out, put the roller bottle on, take a few deep breaths, and then I move into the next um, step. Awesome. The last time I had a belly laugh was? Oh, wow. Um I guess when my grandkids got here, they are a belly laugh. So yeah, that's when I spend time with my grandkids, they can make me laugh like nobody else. That is awesome. And the last one is one thing I learned about myself during COVID-19 is. Ooh, I learned that I actually crave quiet time. So it gave me an opportunity to be still. And I am not, and I'll be honest with you, I am not someone that really is comfortable with just being still. Um, but I've learned it's an acquired um, taste and COVID really brought that to light. And now I really crave it. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Cindy. We'll have to bring you back sometime. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And you guys have a great evening. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. 
Between episodes, you can follow the Nurse Wellness Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Before you go, I would love to share a free mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download your free copy. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.